Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Jack's Corner. I'm your host Tarzan Banano and with me as always is our founder Jack Figgle. Today we're doing the second part of this unknown how many parts uh, series of his papal audiences. So Jack, you said that uh, this one goes back to 2004? Yes, that's right. Hello Tarzan, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Um, yes, this is this is from 2004, um, and it was actually my third face-to-face encounter with Saint Pope John Paul II. Uh, I don't know. Have you heard Tarzan whether it's appropriate to call him Saint Pope or Pope Saint? It's usually Pope Saint. Pope Saint? Oh, yeah, Pope okay. Saint John Paul II, because he was okay. Pope, and now he is Saint, so it's Saint. Pope Saint John Paul II. Okay. Or just I, JP2. Or, yeah, that's what I use. I mean, but if I'm writing it out, it'd be nice to know what I should be writing properly. Yeah, I wrote, I, uh, I had to write uh, something for a teaching thing that I was doing, and uh, when I handed it in uh, for, you know, not reflection, but like they went over it. They gave it back to me, and where I had forgotten to put Pope or Saint, they wrote Pope Saint uh, next okay. to it. Everyone I'm like, okay, thank you. I I thought it might have been the other way around that whatever was the most prestigious came first. In other words, Saint Pope. But yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> That's what anyway. I used to. In the comments, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, yes, this was a trip in um, 2004. Uh, So now almost 20 years ago, it was November. um, And it was in celebration of my 50th birthday. Um, So that means if you add 20 years, I'm coming up on 70 later this year. Um, Happy much early birthday. Yes, not till November. Anyway, uh, so I organized a trip for myself and Father Ray Collins um, and Monsignor George Dobes for all of us to go visit um, Pope St. John Paul and... uh, as part of that trip, I arranged to do a few other things sort of along with it. Uh, the first was actually to stop off in England on our way to Lund- to uh, Rome because uh, the most efficient flights uh, went to, uh, in terms of pricing, went through London. Uh, and... Uh, uh, so I, I booked us flights from Washington to London and then uh, spent a few days there and visited an old business friend of mine. And then we got on the flight to Rome uh, from there. When we got to Rome, um, we stayed, the three of us, at a place uh, called the Hotel Santa Ana, 
which is about two blocks walking distance to the Santa Ana Gate, which if you're looking at St. Peter's, it's on the far right-hand side over close to where uh, you go for the Sistine Chapel and the Vatican Museums. Um, but it's the main, one of the two main gates that you go in to actually get into the Vatican itself and into Vatican City. And uh, the uh, street that comes out of the gate is called Santa Ana, and two blocks away is the hotel. So by picking that place, we were convenient to the Vatican and could get their walking distance without any trouble uh, and uh, hardly took any time. So we didn't have to spend a lot of time with cabs and things going back and forth to other parts of Rome or whatever. We were, we were right there. The other advantage of that little hotel was uh, that it crossed uh, with a street called the Borgo Pio, um, which I think translates into uh, Father Pio Road or Highway or Boulevard or Road Street. Uh, but it's known as the Borgo Pio, and along there are a whole bunch of little family restaurants and a whole bunch of little uh, religious goods gift shops. So it's a great place for tourists. And uh, uh, in fact, the one of the three other gentlemen on the trip, Archbishop Sevlod, bought a chalice set that was Byzantine in style from one of those uh, so that later in the week when we had scheduled him to have a liturgy down in the crypt at the tomb of St. Peter, he would use that chalice set and it would have a special meaning for him. So he was able to find that within a block or two of the hotel. So it was a very, very convenient place. The first visit we made was to the residence of uh, Cardinal Walter Casper, who at that time was the head of the Pontifical Council for Christian Unity. Uh, and he invited us to join him for uh, just a little uh, tea and cookies in the afternoon uh, the day after we or the day we arrived uh, so that we could rest up a little bit with him and catch up on things um, we we had a lovely little conversation uh, we exchanged small gifts with him uh, and uh, sort of talked about the status of ecumenical dialogue and it was uh, a very very nice pleasant visit um, with uh, with Cardinal Casper, uh, what was interesting about it was we were in his residence, so uh, you know we sort of got to see what his apartment was like, and of course it was all walking distance to, from where our hotel was, so it was real easy for us to get there. Um, we then went to um, a ecumenical meeting that was taking place out near uh, Castle Gandolfo, out in the country. Uh, out near the Pope's summer residence. And there were a whole bunch of uh, church leaders from around the world who happened to be there that we were able to greet. We were not invited to, to the uh, conference, but all these other people that were there, uh, we, we knew. And so the Archbishop was able to, to greet all of them. Uh, and uh, it was uh, a very uh, exciting experience to to you know, see all these people that we knew. Uh, Cardinal Casper, of course, was the head of the meeting, 
and since it was an ecumenical uh, affair. But we, uh, some of the others that we were able to greet was uh, included Patriarch Gregorius of the Melkite Church. Uh, now he's emeritus, he's retired. Uh, also another retired bishop, uh, Basil Lawston of the Ukrainian Catholic Church in Connecticut is also retired. Um, we also met uh, Bishop Lib Lochina of the Ukrainian Catholic Church, who at that time was the Ukrainian Catholic Bishop for Italy, based in Rome. He's now, I believe, the Ukrainian Catholic Bishop in Paris uh, for, the, for Western Europe. Uh, also, the retired Cardinal who ran the Pontifical Council before Cardinal Casper, uh, his name was Edward Cassidy, and he was from Australia, which is where Archbishop Sevillot grew up. So they had met each other a few times, but it had been a number of years since they saw each other. And so when they greeted, it was a very, very warm greeting. They were good friends, and it was really nice uh, that he happened to be at that same gathering, so we had the chance to meet him. And then finally, one of the other luminaries that was there um, was at that time with the Assyrian Church of the East. He's now become Catholic, and he's now Chaldean Catholic Bishop, I believe, in Canada, and that's Marbawai Soro. Uh, he's been an ecumenist for many, many years, and uh, I think I talked about him last time as having joined us for dinner on the Archbishop's birthday when we had the, the previous uh, audience with uh, St. John Paul, uh, Mark Bowyer was there, but he was also at this meeting out, uh, out in the country. Uh, another luminary, uh, who I didn't get to greet personally, but uh, uh, sat with Archbishop Sevlod uh, in the audience of this uh, gathering um, was um, uh, Metropolitan John Zazulis, who I uh, recently passed away uh, and was the Orthodox co-chair of the International Dialogue the last 10 or 12 years. Uh, and he was at this meeting way back in 2004, so almost 20 years ago. Uh, there are other uh, bishops uh, from other churches uh, of the Middle East. And uh, so it, it was a great opportunity for, uh, for us to, to greet them all at that, at that gathering. Uh, when we came back to Rome, uh, the next morning, we had an appointment to go visit uh, Cardinal uh, Cacciavian, who had been papal nuncio in Washington for, for many, many years. And he was very, very friendly. He was now retired in Rome. And so we went and met him at his residence. Um, and... Um, then we also went to uh, tour uh, other of the basilicas of Rome. So we got a little touring in. And then we went to the congregation for the Eastern churches or the Oriental churches. Uh, and the head of that at the time was an Eastern Catholic uh, for a change. Most of the heads of those congregations are Roman Catholics. But at that time it was uh, uh, Cardinal, uh, sorry, Cardinal and Patriarch Daoud of the Syriac Catholic Church. Uh, and so we visited with him, exchanged gift, and had a little chit-chat. So uh, we 
that that one day we uh, were able to meet and greet quite a number of people involved in the ecumenical dialogue and uh, heads of the churches because they were in town for all that. The next morning, um, we had made arrangements for the archbishop to celebrate a liturgy at the uh, tomb of St. Peter, as we had the previous trip. Um, but this time, they gave us an altar that was closer to the tomb, um, but it was not visible. Uh, the way they had the excavations done, uh, the main altar that we were at the first time around had a glass door that you could actually see into the crypt and the tomb uh, of, of St. Peter. This uh, year, uh, they gave us an altar that was around the backside that they said was physically closer to the tomb, but you couldn't see it because of the walls. So it was just a small little altar space, uh, and it was the archbishop with um, the two others that went with us on this particular trip. Uh, one was Father Raymond Collins, who was the former dean of the School of Religious Studies at the Catholic University of America here in Washington, and he had been a strong supporter of the Oriental Elementary Conferences and co-sponsored it when we started in 1997. So this is now seven years later. I invited him to join us on the trip uh, to meet uh, St. John Paul. And the other that went with us is a, a, a Monsignor George Dobes, who's a Roman Catholic uh, who lives here in Arlington, uh, is, a, is a retired Navy chaplain. Uh, he, he was a captain for, you know, uh, when he retired. Uh, his career was was with the Navy, uh, on, with the fleet. He'd been on carriers and, and been the chaplain at various naval bases around the world. But he settled down and retired here to Washington, uh, went to Canada Law School, was a good friend of mine, helps out my parish, and uh, is also involved in the Oriental Lumen Conferences for many, many years. So he uh, joined us. So that was the four of us that were on the list to go to the um, private audience uh, with St. John Paul. So in the morning, we went to the crypt and had the liturgy, and then later in the morning was our appointment uh, with the Pope. And so um, we uh, just walked up uh, the stairs and waited in the anteroom uh, until uh, our appointment time. And um, at first, the Pope, sorry, the Pope met uh, with the Archbishop first, uh, sort of in a, a private meeting. And after they had had a, a discussion for 10 or 15 minutes, then uh, Monsignor George, Father Raymond, and I were escorted in. And uh, I had brought three bound leather editions of the Eastern Church's Journal. Um, in my first meetings uh, St. John Paul, I brought the previous Eastern Church's journals with me as my gift, and now I brought the three latest editions, um, and the Pope gave me a little memento, I think it was a, a red uh, container with a rosary inside. Uh, the last time, if you recall, I talked about getting a medallion that was numbered, 
this time it was it was a rosary, which is also still you know cherished. Um, but unfortunately, this was now 2004, and so it was about six months before the Pope died, uh, and so he was in pretty bad shape physically. Uh, it was really kind of sad to see him. Uh, he was sitting in a chair, and we came up to greet him. Uh, you sort of had to grab his hand and pick it up in order to kiss him, kiss his ring. Uh, he could not speak, uh, so you could speak to him, but he couldn't respond. The only thing you could really see was his eyes glistening, that you know he could hear and understand what you were saying, uh, and it was certainly certainly seemed like he was uh, very happy to see us. Uh, and but uh, his you know his physical condition was really really kind of sad. So it's one of those memories I have of. You know, I was honored to be with him and in his presence, but it uh, uh, it was was a, a more of a sad occasion for me than it was a joyous one because of how poor his health was and that he was struggling to stay in the pontificate and go through the motions of what he was supposed to do, even though he was so ill. That um, it was so bad. Um, that when it came time, we had brought bags of rosaries and icons and things for him to bless for us to take home as gifts, um, that the Monsignor looking after him had to come over and take his arm and actually move his arm to give the blessing uh, over the uh, the things we brought. Uh, so it was a bit sad. Um, but one of the things uh, that took place while Archbishop Sevalod was with him privately was that uh, the archbishop brought him the Panagia or the bishop's medallion that we had made uh, custom for the first Oriental Illumin conference that was held in Istanbul uh, a few years before. Uh, it was specifically designed and crafted by a jeweler and church goods supplier in Athens uh, that was referred to me by the Ecumenical Patriarchate's office. And we designed a unique uh, medallion. Uh, this one was called an engolpion rather than a panagia uh, because it was an image of St. Peter and St. Andrew rather than an image of the mother of God. So the Bishop medallion, that's the mother of God is called Panagia, which means uh, uh, as wide as the heavens. Uh, and engolpion, um, I guess in Greek means just a medallion or you know the Bishop's special badge of office. Also, we designed this one to be uh, uh, sort of on the triangular side that would fit better with the icon of the two brothers embracing. And the model we used uh, for the artist was the icon that um, Athenagoras gave Paul VI that hangs at the Pontifical Council of Christianity that everyone's seen around the world of the two brothers uh, you know, embracing each other that is usually used to symbolize Christian unity. So, when we had them made for that Oriental Illumin Conference a few years before, um, 
we made 12 of them. Uh, we gave one to Patriarch Bartholomew. Uh, I think we gave one to Patriarch Gregorius, who was there at the time for that conference, and a few other bishops and cardinals. But we reserved one so that if we ever had an audience with the Pope, we'd be able to give it to him. And so that's what the Archbishop did, uh, was uh, present that to, uh, to St. John Paul. And in return, St. John Paul gave to the Archbishop a pectoral cross, like a Roman bishop wears. And although I was not in the room at the time, uh, we have photographs that were taken by the Vatican photographer of the Pope actually putting the pectoral cross around the Archbishop's neck and bestowing it on him directly. Uh, and I think that was probably uh, a fairly unique event in history to have the Pope actually put a pectoral cross on an Orthodox bishop. So it was, it was uh, you know, a very, very uh, special uh, time. The Archbishop uh, of Blessed Memory, he passed away a few years ago, uh, I think uh, really uh, enjoyed uh, that, that particular audience that we had arranged. Uh, after the audience, uh, we went out and had some lunch, and then we um, made uh, uh, a few more sightseeing trips um, to the Ukrainian Catholic College uh, of St. Josephette up on the Gianicolo. Uh, we had lunch with them uh, and uh, met with their seminarians and some of the faculty. And uh, at the time, there was a Ukrainian Catholic Archbishop Marusin who was working in the Oriental uh, Congregation. Uh, he lived there at St. Josephette's, and so he hosted us for lunch. Uh, then that evening, I think it was a Saturday, so that evening there was Vespers in St. Peter's, and um, the Pope was presiding. Um, and again, his health was such that they uh, wheeled him in on a big platform so he was already seated in a chair. It was not even a wheelchair. It was a nice big stuffed chair, but it was on a custom platform with big wheels on it. And they wheeled the whole platform in for him to come and preside uh, at Vespers. Uh, and uh, so we, we were there and they gave the archbishop a seat uh, all by himself at the same rank or position as the other cardinals who were there. So they, they really gave him a, a wonderful place of honor for that Vesper service. Uh, the next morning, Sunday morning, we were invited by Archimandrite Robert Taft uh, from the Oriental Institute, and uh, who was uh, rector, I think rector at the time of the Rusikum, the Russian college. Uh, we were invited to join him for Sunday morning liturgy. Uh, in St. Anthony's Church, which is the church next to uh, the Oriental Institute and, and the Rusikum. Um, and again, um, the Archbishop was given all honors of a bishop. Uh, he was actually even seated in the sanctuary behind the icon screen. And that in the Russian recension or the Russian liturgical tradition, when a deacon or a priest almost says every line in the liturgy, 
They always bow to a bishop who was present sort of to get his blessing for what they just said. And Father Taft had everyone that was celebrating with him around the altar do the same with this Orthodox Archbishop. So they were giving him uh, the full respect and treatment that a bishop would receive um, for that liturgy. Of course, when it came time for the kiss of peace at the creed, uh, Archbishop Sevlod walked up to the front of the altar and Father Taft turned and they greeted each other. And then all the concelebrants around the table uh, greeted the Archbishop as well. Uh, in addition to uh, Father Collins and Monsignor uh, Doves, uh, they all uh, exchanged a kiss of peace with, uh, with the Archbishop. Uh, after liturgy, we went up and relaxed a, a bit with Father Taft in the library of the Oriental Institute, uh, had lunch uh, with him, and uh, visited with some of the students. Uh, and then in the evening, uh, we went out to dinner with Bishop Plivlochina, uh, the Ukrainian Catholic bishop who was living in Rome at the time. Uh, and uh, the Archbishop, Bishop Lib, Father Ray, and myself all had dinner uh, one, one evening before we left. Uh, because we had stopped in London on the way over, um, we also stopped in London for an overnight on the way back. But this time, um, we made arrangements for a very special audience uh, that I've never done before, before then or since then. And that was we went to Lambeth Palace and had an audience with Archbishop Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury um, in downtown London. And for that audience, we invited Metropolitan Callistos from Oxford to come join us. Uh, so we uh, drove to Oxford first, uh, met, the, uh, met the Metropolitan for lunch, and then we took the subway into London because driving in London is so difficult. From Oxford, we actually it was the train. We talked from Oxford Station into London Metropolitan Callistos knew exactly how to negotiate uh, all around. And uh, so we got to Lambeth Palace. Uh, we gave uh, the Archbishop a book as a gift. It was Archbishop Sevlod's book of writings, We Are All Brothers. And then Archbishop Rowan Williams gave us his book uh, that he had written uh, about the uncreated light of the transfiguration. It was a spiritual reflection that he wrote. Uh, about about the East. Uh, it was a wonderful, friendly gathering of uh, Metropolitan Callistos, Archbishop Sevlod, Father Collins joined us, and myself. And uh, uh, Archbishop Rowan Williams was very, very gracious and very friendly, uh, you know, at, at that audience. In fact, he even personally walked us out the front door when we left uh, and uh, helped us find our way back to the train. Um, we took the train at that point to Windsor uh, instead of back to Oxford, uh, and it, we had some spare time, and we went to Windsor Castle. Uh, so the three of us, uh, Callisto, Sevlod, myself, uh, 
And we just walked around Windsor Castle for about an hour or so. And I have, I think, a relatively famous picture, and that is uh, Archbishop Sevelod was starting to have difficulty walking back then. And so they had wheelchairs available for handicap. So we took one of the wheelchairs. And at one point, uh, I guess I was huffing and puffing or something. Anyway, Metropolitan Calisos took over and offered to push Archbishop Sevelod in the wheelchair. And I had the presence of mind to snap a picture of the two of them so that I could uh, uh, blackmail one of them. I'm not sure which way to go. Now they both passed away, so I can't do that. But anyway, I have I have a picture of Callistos pushing Sevelot around and inside of Windsor Castle. The other reason we went to Windsor was um, we had a wrap-up dinner on that last evening um, where I invited uh, two couples that I knew when I worked in London uh, with the company I worked for. They were good friends that I'd kept in touch with uh, through the years. And so with them, Father Ray, Metropolitan Callistos, and Archbishop Sevilla and myself, and the four of them, we had eight. And we all went out for uh, a nice uh, dinner at a place called Inn on the Bridge. And it's on the walking bridge that crosses the Thames River right in sight of Windsor Castle. Uh, and it's a, a, a real nice sit down, fancy kind of restaurant place. And uh, it was there that we celebrated my 50th birthday. So we, we had a, that was my 50th birthday party. And it turned out we were there uh, on the day of my birthday. Uh, and so it was great being with, with friends and having the two uh, archbishops uh, with us and having my worlds meet each other, the church world and my business world, all sitting at the same table. Uh, so it was it was quite a, uh, a wonderful ending uh, to that trip. Uh, and then I think the next morning, we then got the flight back to Washington. So that was uh, sort of an extended uh, trip. We made a number of visits and audiences and events uh, in addition to uh, a farewell audience that we had with St. John Paul. Mm. Wow. Sounds like a lovely trip. Um, one thing that just, it made me think of, um, obviously we have uh, ties to, Pope St. John Paul, but it the way you were describing uh, seeing him the final time uh, reminded me of um, my dad does martial arts, and he had one final opportunity to meet the master of Sadokan in Japan, and my mom let him take it uh, because it, it fell on their anniversary, but it was just like the way he described that was very similar to how you mm. described what it was like seeing Pope St. John Paul for the last time because uh, it was he was on his last leg as well at the same when my dad went to go see the master of Sato Khan uh, right. so <clears throat> yeah that that's yeah. what I thought of when you were 
Right. Yeah, those, those are really special times in your life that, you know, that I'll, I'll, I'll always cherish. And I'm fortunate that uh, um, at the time I had the presence of mind to take lots of pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have pictures of all these events of the people and I'm in a few of them, but not many um, because I was taking them all. Uh, yeah. And every once in a while, I'd have someone else snap the picture. Uh, but this is also the night in well, 2004 was before the days of smartphones. Mm-hmm. So I think this was done with a digital camera uh, back in those days. I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, I My parents started with the old black and white four by six film um, cameras in the in the 50s. And I have pictures of, of me, you know, at six weeks old and two years old and all that. And then we graduated from that black and white uh, to the Kodak Instamatic cameras by, in the 60s. And by the late 60s, I had done enough photography at school and with the Boy Scouts that my parents bought me a 35 millimeter camera with a, you know, a lens that you could adjust and all that sort of thing. Uh, and then that gave way to the digital camera uh, where you took pictures and they were stored on a chip inside the camera. And that's now given way to the phone where everybody takes pictures all the time. And, uh, you know, you have thousands and thousands of pictures. On, I don't even know how many pictures get stored on a phone. And I don't know if you can ever run out of space. It seems like you could, but I guess the Most digital circuitry... Just- I'm sorry. Most people just update the cloud storage. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so now I, you know, I'm taking all kinds of pictures, uh, of all sorts of things going on. So hopefully over time someday I'm going to put them all in a book and write stories about them. Yeah. Wow. That was, Sounds like a very fun trip, even outside of uh, seeing Pope St. John Paul II. Uh, and I'm, ass- I'm assuming you've wrapped up and you, yep. you're you all good to go. All right, then. Well, that concludes this episode of the Papal Audiences of Jack Figgle. Uh, thank you all for coming and listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless and bye-bye.